When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to On The Fence. It's been a little while since the last episode, but as you can imagine, things have been a little hectic now that we have competitions happening again. On top of that, it's hard to schedule guests as many of them are Olympians who are all trying to train and qualify for the 2021 Olympics. So I appreciate your understanding and patience, but hopefully we're back to our weekly episodes. This is On The Fence with Monica Oksanen. Today's guest is Connor Fields, a two-time Olympic BMX racer for the United States. And at the 2016 Rio Olympics, he became the first American to win an Olympic BMX gold. He's also won a gold medal at the 2011 Pan American Games in Guadalajara, Mexico. Welcome to the show, Connor. Hey, how you doing? I was just thinking about Guadalajara. That was a fun trip. Oh, God, I miss the traveling days of being going all over the world. Yeah, same. Oh, man. Anyways, not going down the d- depressing route. <laughs> We always start off talking about how I meet whoever my guest is on the show. So from my memory, I know that I saw you at the Team USA house after you meddled, but we didn't speak then. After I won, I was having a good time the rest of the trip. So I don't have any specific memories, but I think during like the staging area when they're getting all the athletes ready to go uh, out into the closing ceremonies, I think we were like around each other. I think Sam Dorman was there. There's a few other people. We were all just crushing beers and having a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually Sam was on my first episode talking about the Olympic village and all that stuff so he actually reminded me of all the stuff that did happen at closing ceremonies because I guess like there was just so many emotions that I completely forgot about how much of a party that whole thing was yeah it was a mess I remember like I was sneaking outside of like barriers and going and buying beers yeah yeah, yeah. there was like that beer cart beers and bringing them back in yeah and it was raining so we had those ponchos we kept putting them on and taking them off and the seats were all wet so we were standing on the seat my god that was crazy good times won't be like that this time no I wonder if they're even gonna at their Olympic ceremony, will they, will they even have an Olympic ceremonies? I guess maybe the athletes. They'll probably have it, but without athletes there, they'll probably just have it as like a TV spectacle. Yeah, maybe just performers, no athletes, no spectators. Oh my god, that's so right. weird. I didn't even think about that. That's Damn. what I would think. All right. So what would you say was your be- your favorite memory of the Olympics? See, I always hate that question because it's so difficult, but I think yeah, it's a good one. There, well, so I have two that come to mind. Obviously, like winning an Olympic gold medal is like, it's pretty hard to top. But for me, like the moment that I was able to share with like right at the finish line with my coach and with my training partners and with a few of the people that were part of the process was really, was really special. Um, getting to kind of have that moment where we were all just jumping up and down and going crazy. But the other one that comes to mind is in 2012, actually, at the closing ceremonies in London, they... Oasis, the band Oasis got back together for the closing ceremonies oh, and performed so cool. Wonderwall. And there's like 80,000 people arm in arm, like singing Wonderwall. And Crazy. Like, that was a pretty cool, special moment. That's awesome. I mean, everybody knows the words to Wonderwall, so. Right. That's it. And it was everybody, whether you're in the stands or whether you were on the on the floor, was, was singing it. It was really cool. That's awesome. Damn, I never heard about that one. I'm glad I asked. All right, so let's begin. Our topic for today is drug testing and how all that works. So for those people that aren't athletes and never had to deal with it, I think it's probably safe to explain it so everybody knows. From my experience, things have changed over the most recent years. It's a little 
we have a little bit more leeway because back then it was like they had to know everything or you were at every single given moment, which was definitely a pain in the ass. There's two types of doping control. There's in competition, out of competition. In competition hasn't really changed from my experience. I don't know about you, but basically you reach a certain point in the competition in fencing. And then I think it's the top four for us. What does it look like for you? Podium plus a random. So the top three plus a random. Typically the random would be somebody that was riding really well and looking like they could make the podium, but maybe they didn't. They would get pulled because if it was only the podium, then obviously you could ride well all day and then purposely not get on the podium. So they say it's random, but it doesn't really seem random. It seems selective. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. That would definitely be a good move in fencing. I'm not going to get too into detail because I plan on doing um, an episode about this, but we have athletes from a certain country, which I feel like most people can guess what country that is. Will start with an R and end in an Usha? Yeah, exactly. Where they will, like at a certain moment before the Olympics, in Olympic year, where they'll be winning all the competitions. And then all of a sudden they stop making the top eight for, you know, just coincidentally, they don't make the top eight. And they're like, I remember there was one story of a girl beating an Italian girl, 14-9, and you go to 15. And then that girl from that country that we did not mention did lost the match. So she lost six points in a row to not make the top eight. Uh-huh. I think we've all seen the documentary Icarus at this point. Yes. I mean, I would hope so. If you haven't seen it, definitely go see it. So I think that random thing would definitely make sense. That would be pretty useful in fencing. I doubt it'll ever happen, but and we have two act- and we have two actual kinds of doping. So we have USADA, and then we also have to go through UCI. So I think everyone knows the name Lance Armstrong. Lance kind of made it hard on all cyclists going forward uh, because and cycling in general, not as much BMX, but road cycling has a really bad reputation as far as uh, doping going on. So, you know, I've had it happen where I'll get tested by U.S. anti-doping on Monday and UCI, which is the international body of cycling, will come on Tuesday or Wednesday. And there's no communication between the two. It's just completely different. And so it's two separate doping controls that I have to deal with. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that you guys had your own or that they had their own separate one. Yep. Damn, that's a pain. Yep, it is. I don't complain about it. I'm happy to do it. Wish they tested more. Right. There's definitely some people that I would be suspicious of. And, you know, that's part of keeping the sport clean. So I'll pee yeah. in the cup any day. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I have nothing to hide. So, and I've gotten used to peeing in front of strangers at this point. Well, yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But what is really funny is just how used to it we are, but how odd it is when you're telling other people and they're like, what? Yep, exactly. So for what it looks like in competition doping, you go into a room, you have, you need a form of ID, you pick out your kit, whatever they have. It doesn't mean it doesn't really matter, but they check your numbers. You have to pee a certain amount. Your urine can't be diluted, seal it up, sign some forms and you're out. I'm I'm guessing it's the same. You forgot the part where the doping officer actually has to see the urine leaving your body and enter. Oh yes, that too. Yes. But sometimes they're more strict than others. Like I've had literally people like right there like watching and then other ones that are like oh okay you drop your pants I don't see any kind of tubes or anything all right go ahead pee as a male it's pants around the ankles shirt up to your nipples and just let it hang let it hang I actually have funny stories of stories I've heard about people in college and like their methods of doping or getting away with doping but we'll get into that one okay so there's that and then well the out of competition is when they show up unannounced and then as I mentioned this is the one that has changed a little bit where it used to be that they had to know literally 
really at all point points of the day where you're going to be, which I mean, sometimes it's difficult because things change. And if you weren't there when they showed up, it counted, I think as a failure, or maybe there was another word for it, but I mean, obviously a big deal. And I thought it was ridiculous because like I said, I mean, things just come up out of the blue. Like you might have to go somewhere else, especially Olympic year when you have different kinds of like interviews or whatever, but we used to kind of be jerks and text them updates of like us being at the airport. Like we're going through security. Like we're at this gate, we're boarding a plane. So I'm sure they did not love that. Do you want to explain what it looks like nowadays? Well, I don't know. I don't know when that was for you guys. Maybe use was different. So the way that I always understood it and the way it's been for us is if you're ranked top 50 in the world, you are on what's called the, um, I don't remember. It's like the highest level where you have to provide them with a one hour time slot yep. of where you're going to be. Um, so I would always do the morning, like five to 6am. Cause I know I'm going to be home or at the hotel or wherever I'm going right. to be. And they asked me or they asked us to update them on like training activities and things like that. But from what I always understood, if they came out of your one hour time slot and you weren't where you said you were going to be, it does not count as a strike. Cause the first time I got put on, I was like 17 or 18. And I started updating with like trying to figure like, I'll be at Chipotle from three to yeah. four, you know, or whatever. And then an older athlete was like, that doesn't matter. Just update your one hour time slot. But I've had them come outside of my hour slot before and I've been home and I'll do the test, but I've also had them come outside of my hour time slot and I'm out doing something. And at that point you can say, you know, come meet me here. Or you can just say, yeah, I'll just come back tomorrow. And it doesn't count as a strike or anything, but you just got to be careful with that one hour time slot. Cause if you get three strikes, three misses in 12 months, it counts as a suspension. So, yeah. but it's, it is, um, I don't know. I have like an alert every evening, at like seven o'clock that goes off on my phone to remind me to update if I haven't updated, if I'm changing. And it's just so normalized to us now. But when you tell someone, like someone, I don't, I don't want to say like a normal person, but like a non-Olympic athlete, you explain yeah. to them what you have to do. It just seems so crazy. And it's like part of the things that like, that's why I wanted to do this episode because I don't, most people don't really know that this is exactly what we have to be doing. And like knowing that you're updating and all that stuff. For us, it's not top 50 though in the country. I think it's, I think it's the top two athletes in the, I don't think it's top three, but like Olympic year, it's a lot more strict. But I think normally through the season, I think it's not spots one and two, and then obviously in competition. So yeah, so that's, there's a lot less people, which I think there should be testing more people, but. Well, I think ours is top 50 worldwide ranking. So it might be one American, it might be 10 Americans. It just depends on at the end of the season, when they finish the world rankings, if you're in the top 50, you mm -hmm. are in the RTP, the registered testing pool for the following year. And then if you drop out, you drop out. And at that point, they can still come get you. But you're not on like that highest level where you have to update and you're, pun you're punished if you don't. So that's, yes, yeah, how it goes. But then we also have the quarter systems, which I always thought was interesting that we have it because you have to be tested once each quarter. And I mean, that I feel like, well, I don't know, even from talking from other athletes, like it's easy to read that because if they come in the beginning, like your chances of getting tested again in that quarter by them is like very minimal. Or, you know, like I would always get tested at the very end, every quarter. Yeah, I don't know if we, uh, I don't know if we have that. I mean, I usually get tested once or twice a quarter anyway. Um, and I have noticed as well, like if my results are good and I'm winning a lot of races and stuff, they'll come more often. And then if I'm having like a rough year, they don't come as much. Uh, I also noticed that after I won the Olympics, I got tested much, much more frequently than I did pre. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense too. You're not going to test a dude who's getting smoked every weekend. You know, like right, you're not going to be super suspicious. 
even if he's um, taking something, he's taking the wrong stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's how it goes. But um, the other one that I don't know if you guys have that we have to do is blood passports. So mm-hmm. I think as a UCI thing, a cycling thing, we have to uh, quarterly get blood and it's random. It's 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 like that. I don't know if it's quarterly or twice a year or something. But anyway, they, they do blood and then they compare it throughout periods of time mm-hmm. to make sure you're not blood doping because that's what all the Tour de France guys would do is they would blood dope. And so right. it wouldn't be detectable by urine. But if you had a blood passport and they had like, this is what your levels should be. And then all of a sudden your levels were way different. They would be able to tell that you were doing something different. And that's smart too. Wow. You guys are much more stricter than we are. Shout out to Lance. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, again, I think fencing should too, because I have my theory on this, which I feel like I already gave everybody a hint as to what my theory is on this, but wow, that's a huge difference from us. Yeah. We're pretty strict um, compared to a lot of other sports, but just how it goes. Yeah. The good thing about my sport though, uh, is you can take as much, you know, whatever steroid that you want it's not going to help with the technical skill that's needed right so for us like yes physical the physical aspect is important but you're at the end of the day you're jumping 45 foot jumps and you know having to have all this bike technique and no amount of any substance is going to give you the skill that is needed to do that right so that that is something that i feel protects us a little bit and i don't want to say because i'm sure there are people who do dope or have dope in the sport but the best of the best I truly don't think have because it just the number one thing that they all have in common is is their ability to ride a bicycle and that's not that's not something that you can uh, can fake interesting well that's good to know I'm glad a bit different than a bit different I guess than like road cycling where the technical side of it's not anywhere near as important as just pure physical side of it right yeah all the endurance doping is so you know huge in that versus like skateboarding right like at the end of the day like taking a bunch of of sauce to to skate better like you still have to know how to ride the skateboard Right. And you still have to have had that practice and doing all the flips, right. tricks and all that stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's definitely sports that obviously doping can. I never understood how it can help in my sport until I started seeing the difference in the people that I think might be taking something. And there's there is definitely a difference. And like I said, the the weirdness of like certain athletes winning competitions all season and then all of a sudden not even showing up or just not having results. But there's something there. Do you remember the first time that you got drug tested? And what was that like? Yeah, it was uh I, I had like a surprise podium at a world cup uh, when I was 17 and I put, po- I got third. So I was pulled in for drug testing and I had never done it before. And I just remember thinking it was cool. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And little did I know it was going to be a part of my life for the next you know, 12, 13 years. But, um, I just remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever that I, I got the honor of being drug tested. And I'm sure all they would have found in there was like Pop-Tarts and sugar <laughs> cereal and, you know, maybe a couple of Keystone lights that I was drinking at a high school party or something, but um, part of a balanced diet. <laughs> yeah. So are you not as you're 17. Yeah. For me, it was, it was my first, it was my senior event in Miami. I think I was also 17. It was before college. Yeah. I think I was 17 or maybe just like just turned 18, but I got selected. And then for me, it was like, like, yes, exciting, but also traumatizing. They obviously explained all this stuff to me and I, for the life of me could not go. And I think I sat there for like two hours, if not more, I drank like three, four Gatorade bottles, finally went, but then we had a bus ride from the venue to the hotel and I nearly peed myself. 
myself. I was like in tears, like screaming to the bus driver, like, please go faster. Brutal, but we got through it. Yeah, it's always a double-edged sword. You're, you drink a bunch to try to pee for the test and then you pee nonstop, non-stop. the rest of the day. Nonstop. But then you're very well hydrated at least. Yeah. Man. Anyways, so I've had this, like I said, I've had this topic that I wanted to do for a long time. I just never knew what guest to have. And then when I saw your story of you getting recently drug tested, I knew you were going to be the lucky winner. So I think we need you to tell that story because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. So last month, or I guess this month of March, um, I was only home one day of the month. Uh, I was at a training camp and I had flown home for my, one of my best friends was getting married and I was a groomsman. So I, I wasn't going to miss that. So I flew back home for that. And uh, we were at his venue getting ready, getting all, you know, getting the suit on, getting all that stuff going and drinking a few beers and all that. And I got a phone call from a block number. And you, here's another thing. You always answer phone calls from a block number when you're an athlete because it could yep. be a drug test. Exactly. You know, 99 times out of 100, it's spam, but you always answer it. That's something else that we don't even realize. Um, yeah. But, and it was uh, whatever, Joe, Joe Schmo. And he was at my house looking to test me. It was outside of my one hour window, but he was there. And I was like, yeah, come on down. <laughs> this would be kind of funny. That's so I gave him the address for the, uh, the wedding and he cruised on down and um, I just started smashing, smashing beers so I could pee when he got there. And he showed up and, and this is where, you know, it, it kind of dawned on me just how strange this is. Like my friends were like, wait a second. So this guy is coming here to go into a bathroom with you to collect your pee. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And so they like watched him walk into the bathroom with me and the photographer for the wedding, uh, it was time for us to go take photos. And like the whole process takes like 45 minutes because you yeah. have to like sign all this paperwork and go through all this process. And she's like, where's Connor? We need him. We need, we're missing a guy. And she came up looking for us. And I walk out of the bathroom at this moment with literally holding pee. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm just getting drug tested. She was like, what? She's like so confused. Later that night, she said that she thought I was on parole. Oh my God. <laughs> getting drug tested for being on parole but they just told what was going on and yeah it was a bit uh, a bit interesting and you know it's one of those ones. it's actually the second time they've come to a wedding for me oh really yeah i was waiting in front of my house for an uber and i was late and they like the uber was a minute down the road and the drug testers rolled up and i was like god i was like i have an uber you guys can follow me but i'm not gonna be late to my friend's wedding oh my and god they, Followed the Uber and they met me at the wedding and I went and peed there and they've had some good ones. They came the morning after I had surgery. I had wrist surgery uh, right before Rio actually. And um, I, they came the next morning and like, I was in so much pain. I couldn't hold the cup. Like, Oh my God. Drama. But uh, yeah, they've had some good ones. That's crazy. Now mine are not that exciting for me. It's they've pretty much everyone has to drive up from like Princeton. So it's like a two hour drive. And these are people for us, they're volunteers. I mean, I think that is the thing but so these people just volunteer to come hang out with olympic athletes and watch us pee so i don't i'm really could like confuse us like why i guess maybe they just really strongly believe in in drug testing i don't know but yeah they would just come up and it was always like at like 5 30 or 6 a.m they would just show up to my my house that was really it aside from that like obviously competitions i remember in college i was drug tested by actual penn state and at ncaa's they do a completely random test every single day but yeah there's like i said there were some crazy stories of first of all in our world cup in germany when you got drug tested they gave you beers to drink not water not not gatorade but you're drinking beer so that was always a fun experience because you leave there already hammered but uh, I've heard stories of a whole process. Like I have to remember, try to remember the details. Well, first of all, like 
I've been learning of how to, if you're smoking weed that to be drinking cranberry juice and working out a lot and drinking a shit ton of water and that cleans your system. They changed the rules on weed like a few years back. Yeah. Now you're allowed to have more or like it's allowed uh, out of competition. I don't mess with it. Cause I don't want to get, I don't want right. any get in trouble. But from what I understand, the threshold is so high now that you got to be like smoking a blunt as you're pissing on the drug test to get interesting. And then, and then, but, and also out of competition allowed, right? Yes. Out of competition. I don't believe there's a threshold though quote me on that but like from what i understand because i've got friends like in my sport who smoke not every day but like they smoke yeah recreationally and they're not worried at all yeah uh, whereas like in the past i know people we've had people in our sport in the past that got positive drug tests for thc yeah yeah i know there's there's people on our team too um that are smoking but i'm way too afraid of it i don't want to risk that and i don't need that like i mean even still as like another factor of like what people don't get if i take anything like tylenol like i know what i can take out of that but like if I'm getting prescribed any kind of like drug for any kind of sickness. I'm like reading everything. I'm texting photos to my doctor, like trying to figure out if it's okay or not. So always terrified of anything that I can't take or like protein, always sending, like I said, photos to everybody, making sure it's not on the ban list and the ban list change changes all the time. So it's always a lot, but this complicated system, like I said, in college was they, they had a I think they had a condom filled with somebody's urine, like attached somehow, I don't know, to what parts of the guy and then like a tube like down the shaft and somehow he got away with it. Crazy. Again, I don't even, I don't understand how, obviously I wasn't there, but I remember hearing all these stories of people doing all these things and I was like, isn't it easier to just not smoke? And they're like, no, I'd rather smoke. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess there's, there's different, I guess they're not allowed to have anything in their system. So they can't even, they smoke once then they're in trouble. Yeah. But again, it didn't, didn't seem to stop anybody in college. People are still doing it and just figuring out different ways. Yep. Man. All right. So what does the rest of your season look like? We have um, one international competition in Columbia that's scheduled before the Olympics, but I'm on the fence if I think it's going to happen or not. But right. for me, I'm pretty much mathematically already qualified. So um, we've got a couple of small domestic events that I'll just kind of use as like tune-ups. But other than that, I'm just full on prep for the Olympics now. And then we actually have our world championships two weeks after the Olympics, which is um, normally they're before. So we've got to got back-to-back Olympics world championships. So pretty big month of July and August for us. Gotcha. And where are world championships? Well, they're scheduled to be in the Netherlands, but there is a likely chance that they get moved to Houston or Florida or somewhere that is willing to have them. Yeah. I mean, Florida did offer to host the Olympics. So, yep. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, it's going to be interesting because, you know, at least in our sport events are happening and it just comes down to which places are willing to host them and which places are not, but the events are happening. Right. So we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah. Like for us, it's a complete opposite. Everything's been happening in Europe in our sport and in America, we still haven't had a competition at all. Meanwhile, from what I was told, Hungary, where we were, they already had five national championships. So I'm glad at least America for you guys is ahead ahead of the game with competitions, all that stuff. But like I said, for us, it's opposite. Like we're the last ones to compete. We definitely were the least prepared for the last World Cup. So fingers crossed we can have another one actually be prepared and be able to do well. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think this Olympics will be a unique opportunity for a lot of athletes to maybe outperform where they typically would just because they're able to handle the adversity or the change in plans better than others. Um, because not everybody's going to get their perfect prep and not everybody's going to get to do everything and take every box and, you know, have it be exactly how they may want it. So I think it provides a unique opportunity for athletes who are able to overcome whatever they're having to deal with, um, and have a better chance than maybe they would have had it been, I guess, 
normal. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's all a lot more mental than it ever was, which I mean, the Olympics, I mean, I assume it's going to be the same for you. For me, it was like the most pressure I've ever felt in my entire life. Like, I think after going through that, I don't think anything will ever compare. Every time I leave, I'm like, oh, I'm never doing this again. And then yeah. I always, and then yeah, I it's, back. sport is a drug. I'm convinced. There's oh no yeah, nothing, it is. No way Win- else. Sport is winning. Yeah. Winning is the drug. There's no high like winning. There's there really no isn't. I like that. No. And I, it's funny. Cause I need it. I, I mean, I have to win in everything. I'm competitive in absolutely every single thing. And man, the day I retire, I don't know what the day I'm going to do with my, with a lack of adrenaline and that whole winning aspect cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Uh, all right. So I, that's all I have question wise and story wise, unless you have any other interesting doping stories. They did, the only other interesting one is they came when I was doing a keynote speech one time. <laughs> during the speech i was on stage and um they walked in and like i all i diverted from what i was saying and i was like hey everybody wave at these nice people that just walked in when i'm finished speaking they're here to watch me pee in a cup (laughs) joys of being an olympic gold medalist and uh, it actually worked great like i wish they would come every time because the crowd thought it was really cool but yeah it's a little a little interesting tidbit they they never they almost never seem to come when you have nothing going on and like it actually would be fine right this is tuesday i'm just gonna be at home anyway like come on down they come when you got things going on yeah like i said for me not not the same but i wonder if they like if it is just becomes a random slot or they're like you have to test this athlete this week and it happens to be and they're like oh he's doing this like at least i can go do something cool like i wonder how it works on the back end maybe maybe they would want to do that maybe that's interesting let's go get him i gotta go find um a usada volunteer to ask them all these questions so we know are they allowed to say anything i don't know that's why i gotta have them on to find out (laughs) what can you tell me for me what else is there i mean i think like the only other funny thing is of like again times where like you're you still have adrenaline so it's maybe hard to pee but i remember i think the last time i was drug tested was in in lima for pan american games and i couldn't go and i had our athletic trainer she was like playing like raindrop music she was sitting like she also had like there was a sink next door she had that on she took a cup and she started splashing me with water yeah that was that's it you gotta get wet because like you jump in a pool and you start to have a piece that's how it goes yeah they have all these different tricks but man that's so funny i also didn't think of that I mean, I don't even think it's a big deal, but I won like that. It was a national championship a few years ago. And I had like a four o'clock flight and we finished racing at like one, one thirty or something. So like, it was going to be tight to make my flight. I would have, I had to pee like right away and I was sitting there and I couldn't pee. So I went over to the sink and like, I'm going to get a bit graphic for a second. And I just like ran the sink water down my stomach all. And I just like soaked myself because I had to make this flight. And I ended up, uh, I was like taking, uh, as well as that, I was like taking my hands and like splashing water. I like came out of it looking like I took a shower <laughs> right away and I made my flight. That's hilarious. <laughs> flight was the next morning so i wasn't trying to wait right that's so funny that oh my god the lens that we have to go through as athletes yeah yeah it's part of the game though part of the game yeah you just learn all the tricks of how to pee in front of strangers that's so funny wow oh my god <laughs> Oh God. Well, amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. That's all I have. If you want to plug all your social media handles, if you have any projects or anything that you want to share, this is your time. Nothing to plug, but my social media is Connor Fields 11, C-O-N-N-O-R-F-I-E-L-D-S 1-1. Every different kind of social media. It's all the same. Keeps it easy. But yeah, nothing too crazy. And I'm going to go and I'm going to go update my whereabouts. There you go. Awesome. Everything will be linked. And thank you so much for hopping on. No worries. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.